0: Hey, welcome to Speak Up Sis Podcast, where we help you get through life while giving you all your life. We say what you think nobody wants to hear, but everyone needs to know. I'm your host, inspirational conversationalist and author, Angel Charmaine. Can I Everyone and welcome to Speak Up Sis Podcast. I am your host, Angel Charmaine, and we are back here for yet another story of triumph season three. We are looking or listening to voices of triumph, people who have overcome some pretty extreme obstacles in their uh, in their lives to show us that listen, if you just stick with it and you persevere, that you can overcome anything. All right. So I've got a handsome gentleman. I probably shouldn't even say handsome because his head is already swole, but uh, (laughs) I've got a handsome gentleman in front of me. His name is Bernard Brown. Um, Some may know him as King Nard. Um, I know him as Bernie, and I'm sure he's got some other Uh, is as well. But today I want to introduce Mr. Bernard Brown to you all. Welcome to Speak Up Sis podcast. Bernie, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. What's going on? Speak Up Sis family. How are you doing? (laughs) Thank you so much, Angel, for the compliment. I really appreciate it coming from you. It is great. Um, Because you know, I don't hand
0: them, them, I don't just hand them out. You
1: definitely don't. That's why that's (laughs) why I appreciate it. You know, my head is definitely not swole, but you know, when it when it comes to compliments from you, it just adds to the greatness of myself. I see. What did I tell y'all? I told y'all, I'm telling you. I mean, but you know, the truth is in the pudding, I am incredibly handsome, but I appreciate people for taking notice of that.
0: All right, so listen, tell the Speak Up Sis podcast audience um, a little bit about who you are prior to us kind of jumping into your personal story of Triumph.
1: Okay, okay. Um, first of all, let me, again, I just want to thank you for having me on your platform, having me speak to uh, the sisters and the brothers that listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and hopefully my story will encourage somebody um so again, my name is Bernard. Um some people call me King Nard and a host of other different things. Um I hope it's all pleasant when I'm not around. Uh I, I I've I've had a have i have had ai have had a tumultuous journey through life. Um I'm still battling some things, but you know that's that's with life. Uh adversity is for the thirsty or adversity is uh food for the successful. Should I say, um, so whenever you're facing adversity, you just have to keep on going um so yeah, i I would like to start my journey probably uh two thousand or this story of mm-hmm. triumph, uh probably in two thousand one, two thousand um when i was when I was heavily in the street, um, doing things that I've done most of everything there is to do in the street except, except for steal TVs and and, and pocketbooks and pawn anything that my family had, you know. I wasn't okay. a grimy person like that, okay. but uh, most of every other thing that I, I probably deal with and dabbled in, um, from selling drugs to to robbing a, even a little uh pimping. Mm-hmm. Um
0: what? Now that I- the first time I've ever heard that. But what, what
1: what I, know what how you I mean, feel
0: about that? I don't know. <laughs> I,
1: I, and maybe I shouldn't have said that, but we just try to be a little transparent. And, no, and listen, and,
0: and speak in the speak up since podcast area, we keep it real raw and relevant. So you're you're totally okay. Continue. But that
1: but I, I appreciate you guys for allowing me to be transparent and not judging me. Um you know, I, and I am reformed for, for, from all of those things. I, I should say um, I had a transformational mind, but we'll get into that mm-hmm. um, that helped me transfer. So, so uh, just to talk about in 2000, 2001, early or mid-2001, um, I was convicted of um, aggravated assault. Uh, basically, I shot a couple people and they sent, sentenced me to 100 years in prison. Um
0: wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you say a hundred years?
1: Yes, definitely a whole century. A hundred years in prison. That Did was in, you do
0: that? That that doesn't even make like
1: that doesn't even really make sense. A hundred years? Definitely. They definitely can do it. Um now they're trying to, because of the climate, you know, they're, they're talking about um justice reform and prison reform and things like that. So they're they're um, they're trying to be better at it and trying to get some of those um, judges with no conscience out of out of the courts. But you know, uh, I, our current administration has just assigned something like over two hundred judges, so there's no telling what's sprinkled in there. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> but but yeah, they sentenced me to a hundred years in prison. Um, I had four counts. Um and so they sentenced me to 25 years for each count uh to run consecutively. So that means that I have to do 25 years and then get to the other count and do 25 years and get to the other count. And when you go to prison, they send you um they do uh uh they do a evaluation of you and, and they tell you what your parole date is. Um and and at the time, aggravated assault was a 90% charge, meaning that I had to do 90% of anything that the judge sentenced me to. So the my report came by, I came up for parole in 90 years, which was- 90 the, years. Yeah, which is at the time, it was 2090, um, because I had done a year in jail. So the crime actually happened in 2000. Um, so, at the time, I had I had also got shot eight times. So being shot eight times and then sentenced to a hundred years in prison all happened at almost at one time.
0: Wow! And
1: in three months after that, my best friend died. Um, he got killed three months after that that sentence. Um, yeah, and I, I can Every time I talk about it, it's just it's just amazing to me because. Uh, the fact that I actually got sentenced to 100 years. There's a song by a rapper named Plies and and he's always talking about they sentenced my dog to 100 years and a lot of people don't really understand it. It's a true story. People do get sentenced to 100 years and and so they sent me to 100 years Um, within the first year um, of that sentence uh, I got my time cut. Um, I went back and I got to where it was an unjust and too harsh sentence. Mm -hmm. Because the judge said when he sentenced me at the time, he said that I'm sentencing you for the old and the new. Um, What does that mean? So that means that, like I said, I was heavy in the street and I was, a lot of times I had been arrested for different things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always got away. Okay. I never, I went to jail a couple of times or I had probation. Um, but I always had a nice mouthpiece, meaning a lawyer that would get me out of things. Um, and I'ma say something here, just to let people understand the type of person that I was. I wasn't the type of person that you would be like, "Oh, he's gonna be this, or he's gonna be there, or he's gonna be that." I wasn't that type of person. If you knew me, um, if you knew me, you would think that I was the perfect gentleman. Right. Um. I just believe that a real gangster is a perfect gentleman. Right. It's certain things that you don't show people. You you don't sh- let your right hand know what your left hand's right. doing. You don't always, there's no need, if you're that, if you are a successful lawyer, you don't have to tell everybody you're a successful exactly. lawyer. Exactly. They see you in action. They see you in courtroom. They know your track record. If you're a gangster, I don't have to show everybody my gun. I don't have to show everybody the drugs I'm dealing I don't have to do that. The only people that know that I'm dealing drugs are the people that I'm dealing with. The only right. people that know, if you see my gun, it's too late. Right, right, right. There's I'm no saying- need for me to show you your gun. I'm not going to show it to you unless I'm going to use it. Right. You know, that's that's just to me a part of being a gangster. Mm-hmm. Again, don't take my recollection for glorification. Right. I'm just telling a story, telling part of my story. So I always have to make sure especially with the youth that they understand that I'm not glorifying where I was. Mm-hmm. It's just a part of my story. So sometimes it sounds good. It sounds like I'm being braggadocious, but again, I just I'm still proud of myself. So even at that time in my life that where I was at that point, I still have to look back and sometimes pat myself on the back that I even made it out of that. So even sometimes when we were in we we're in the mud and we remember that we were in the mud, we have to remember that we were a seed in that mud and we were just planting mm-hmm. our roots at that time. So it's not glorification again. Um, but yeah, so they sentenced me to 100 years in prison. And like I said, I really, the judge was really had, really had a grudge against me. I felt like I had been before him before, mm-hmm. and we knew that he wasn't a good judge. So we got him removed from a previous case, and I ended up beating that case. But this time, we couldn't get him removed. And, and like I said, he said, so I'm sentencing you for the old and the new. Mm-hmm. His exact words was, I know who you are. Mm-hmm. I remember you. And I'm going to sentence you to the old and the new. And so he said that um, in front of my mom and my grandma and all of that. And it kind of upset my mom. And, you know, we we, we, um, we went back and I got, I was 25 at the time as well. And I got the, uh, the courts to see that it was a, a cruel and unusual sentence, mm-hmm. an unfair and unjust sentence. And so they shrunk it all down. Instead of running it consecutively, they ran it all concurrent, meaning that each count, I would do that together. So each count was 25, mm-hmm. so I ended up with 25 years. Gotcha. Um, and out of that 25 years, they wanted, when I when I got reevaluated, I, they wanted me to do 18. I mm-hmm. think it was 18 at first. That was okay. the first, um, but through the years, of my years in prison, I started working with youth. I was a basketball coach, football coach, And I ran and I got into different programs and started mentoring some of the younger people that were coming in and that got reevaluated, and they ended up doing 13 years. I mean, they ended up saying that all they wanted me to do was 13 years. I had, and I would come up for parole, not saying that I would have got parole, but I Mm -hmm. came up. And so, um, during that time I was still a little frustrated at first I was, uh, kind of just said, you know, I'm going to be here for a while, so let me get used to prison. Okay, so this is
0: when you actually start having to serve the time.
1: This is when I start actually having to serve the time. So, um, yeah, uh, I got the sentence changed within a year, but I was still in prison, and so while I was in prison, it I got used to being in prison. I got adjusted to the prison life. And it's kind of easy to get adjusted to that life because it's it's a sink or swim kind of thing. You have to think that you're you're probably around 1,500 men. And most of these men might be alphas, or I would say at least 60% of those men are alphas. And so the big dog always is the big dog. Um so it and, and all of these alphas are always going at each other, so you have to always wear your 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 uh, what I want to say you wear your stuff on your chest um so at all times you got your chest poked out, and everybody has their chest poked out
0: so let uh, me um let me ask you this because lately I have heard uh several different people 's accounts of um Prison mm-hmm. and you've got there are more people who are sharing their testimonies and they're you know sharing their voices of triumph about experiences with prison and I must say that the they 've been very different um, right. and so and and um, for for anyone listening i've never uh, been involved in any type of system. So I'm not really sure. So that's why I ask these questions because I know y'all want to know too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, were you in a state or federal? Is there a big difference? It, was it harder where you were versus some? Because I actually just heard somebody um, share their story and it was kind of like, I was kind of like that camp. And it's not like what people say it is. And it's not even all that serious. And then I'm thinking to myself, hold on. So now you're saying, listen, you got a bunch of alpha dogs, and and you know you've got you gotta like stay up, and then someone else is going. It's not that serious. So when when people who've never been into that place are listening to your story, what which is it, or
1: is it both? Well, well, it's both. Um, first of all, it First of all, you get sent to different camps according to the severity of your crime. Mm -hmm. So they try to do not, it it doesn't always happen, but they try to separate people according to the severity of their crime. And they also evaluate you when you first come in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those things, what caused them to separate you? I was at a level five camp, which is the highest camp in Georgia, except for um, the camps that they have people that are on death row
0: so um, does that when you say level five does is that like
1: the most severe is five yeah. high in terms of level okay. five is the is the highest security okay. um, so it goes from one to five level okay. five would be the highest gotcha. and they would have the most dangerous people there gotcha. um because of the severity of their crime okay. um and, and, and so usually in level five camps, you have a lot of lifers, meaning people that have life in prison, life without parole. The, the only thing that can get worse than a level five is uh, um, a camp that has death row inmates. And those death row inmates usually are locked down for 23 hours. They call them 23-in-1 camps. So they're locked down for 23 hours into a cell, and they only come out for one hour a day, and that's to uh, shower, and they get a little wreck. Um, so you are
0: like, at college. Um, no, definitely you're not yourself.
1: college. OK. Um, <laughs> some people consider it a, a, a tutoring ground, but it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's definitely not college. Okay. So um, at the level five camp, you see a lot of stabbings. Um, mm-hmm. You see a lot of rapings uh, and a lot of finessing. And when, when I say raping, it's not always rape. Right. Uh, it's sometimes it's just finesse. Gotcha. <laughs> I hate to say it like that. Gotcha. But uh, some people get tricked out of their manhoods. Um, some people get tricked out of their goods, their money, um, and you know, and they get embezzled and all kinds of different stuff. So level five camps are very dangerous. Uh other camps some camps are not as dangerous, but I, prison itself is dangerous. Gotcha. It doesn't matter. Let me let me clarify that. It doesn't matter what type of camp you in. Prison itself is dangerous because you're dealing with the element of our society that would do anything it takes to survive. Gotcha. Most of the people that are in prison are in survival mode. Mm-hmm. In survival mode, when a person is in survival mode, we know that the first law of life is self-preservation. So when the person is in survival mode, they'll do anything it takes to survive. Gotcha. But when you say anything is anything. Right. But, but the most dangerous of those people are in level five counts. Gotcha.
0: Hence your reason for having to wear your A on your chest.
1: Right. That's alpha two. Definitely. Um, <laughs> And, and, and I, was, I was kind of blessed um, that I, I stayed away from a lot of dangerous situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it was, it was mainly because I'm, I'm a blessed man. Um, I'm kept in covered. Um, but a lot of it had to do with the people that knew me, my reputation. One, another thing about prison that, especially a state camp, so a state camp, meaning that you have a state charge and you only stay in your state. A federal camp, you can go all over the place. Okay. You can almost be anybody you want to be. But at a state camp, so in Georgia, you go to the state camp, and the biggest people are there will be Savannah, Atlanta, Augusta, Columbia, things like that. And so people are there from your city. Okay. Um, And they can either vouch for you or they can discredit you. Gotcha. So so one of the biggest things that helped me out was um, people from my city vouched for me. Before I left the city, I had love. And so I I never had any, like, dirt on my name. I didn't do anything, um, violated any so-called, quote-unquote, street law. Mm-hmm. so uh, my name was real good and that that held me strong while I was in prison um, so I didn't get into any dangerous situations where, where people would try me any way any, any kind of way because I had a support system in prison meaning that if you went at me wrong you I wouldn't be the only person you would have to deal with gotcha um, because most of the times the cities stick together
0: gotcha so how do you because what that's what what all this sounds like to me is that you actually had the perfect ingredients to go in remain a criminal learn how to be a better criminal exactly and come out and be a criminal still but you didn't
1: so what shifted so um i was always like i said i me hustling wasn't wasn't about um, me getting a name for myself in the street or anything like that. I felt like there was some lack of things that I didn't have, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted that, but I always wanted to be a better person. I always wanted to be a better individual. For instance, um, before I went to prison, um, one of the things that I was doing was one of the things that I, I had a dream of been a successful businessman, and the way that I was gonna do that was I was gonna use a woman, a female. Um, I know. See, I, I believe I believe that I believe that we're we're at war as as, as black people, and I don't want to go too far in, into this, but we're at war as black people, and so you have spies when you're at war. And the the spy that we have right now is the Black woman. She has been under the radar. Mm -hmm. And being under the radar, she has become successful. She's a successful businesswoman. We have lawyers. We have judges. We have doctors. So she's crept behind enemy lines and set up camp. Mm -hmm. And so now it would be nice if, as a spy, that she brings the warrior, she brings the soldier, since she's behind enemy lines Mm -hmm. and has set up camp and then provides a base for him. So now if, if he's a warrior and has the right mindset set, he can use everything that she's already set up, because gotcha. she's put him in position to be successful. Not saying that he's dependent on her, but they're using each other. Now she's put in a, in a great position, but she sets him up and he can take it from there. So that was my idea of being successful. And at the time, at the time I was I was dating well a little bit before i had a a a friend that was a teacher um and so my idea was that you know (laughs) i'm gonna help her be successful as a teacher and then once i get my bread right i can come and i can start my business um you know and 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 she didn't know how far (laughs) deep i was like let let me tell you something
0: this is a whole podcast in itself because let me tell you there are some women who are going to be listening to this who are going to be like oh no he (laughs) did or you know because this is a concept right that i don't think many people even think about and even if it is something that is happening I think that for many it's subconscious.
1: Subconscious.
0: Even if men are doing this, right. I don't believe that I don't I don't believe most men think at that level.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. To plan it out, but maybe that is a part of subconsciously what's going on.
1: But continue. She didn't know how deep I was, but you know I would have like guns and stuff. And and she would be like, look, look, I got a little baby boy here. You got to, you can't keep this stuff here, um, and leave it at that. But that was just, that's just, to, just to tell you a little bit about, you know, that. But um, you all almost forgot where I was. But anyway. <laughs> so you are okay. you're talking to us about how you
0: shifted your yes, because you said that when you first went in, you you didn't change immediately. It's not like, oh, I've got sentenced. I'm in prison. I need to do better today. It doesn't sound like that's what you did. No, you no,
1: definitely. To- so I didn't change. It was probably about, it wasn't until about my, my seventh year, my sixth or seventh year. So um, I remember my fifth, I think it was my fifth year in prison. Um, my mother stopped coming to see me. Mm. And she would come see me at least once a month. Um, So that was kind of strange. Even though I was was far at the time, she was coming to see me like once a month and I didn't know what was going on. So I was trying to find out what was going on. And finally, I had felt in my heart something wasn't right. Right.
0: Hey there, I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I'd like to take just a moment to talk to you about how this podcast is made possible. There are individuals who listen, follow, and review Speak Up this Podcast on platforms just like Anchor and Apple Podcasts. Also, there are generous supporters who have a desire to share their stories and help others be able to share their stories. You can become a supporter by visiting SpeakUpSys.com, clicking on the menu and selecting giving. Or you can purchase books and SpeakUpSys merchandise from the online store. I hope you'll choose to support the vision today. Now, let's get back to the conversation.
1: And finally, she told me that she had got diagnosed with cancer. She had, got diagnosed with breast cancer, she's a survivor now, she's over 10 years surviving. Um, oh, congratulations and so, to her. so um, that kind of shook me up, and I was like, man, I got to get home, and I wasn't thinking, like I said, I really wasn't thinking about home, it was more about how can I be on top in this environment, how can I live better in this environment, how can I survive, do more than survive in this environment. That's what I was thinking at the time. And then, so when that happened, it kind of woke me up a little bit. I was like, man, I got to come home. I got I got the, mm-hmm. My people need me. Right. Um, and so I started working on my case as an individual. I started going to the law library, researching different cases and comparing it to my cases, trying to see where the DA messed up or where the judge was wrong. Where was I wrong? Because honestly, I knew that I was guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, I can admit that even now that I, I was guilty. A lot of people thought that you know, well no, he just hang around the wrong people. No, I was the wrong person. Gotcha. I wasn't the... I wow. Wasn't the, yeah. A lot of people, you know, <laughs> he, he, I was the wrong person. Yeah. I was the leader all at all times. I, I really wasn't a follower. I always made my own decisions. I always said, let's do a, a we need to move like Um, And I can say that now. I wasn't, I wasn't following by, I wasn't with the wrong people. I was the wrong person. No matter where I went, I took me, who was the wrong person. So um, I said, you know, I need to get out because my family needs me. Um, It's not about, it's more about what they need and how can i contribute and i can't do anything behind the wall so i start going to the law, law library and looking up things and then i i, I hired a guy that was a, a prison lawyer he's inside he's a prisoner but that's all he does wow and he came up with a brief for me um and so once he came up with that brief i got transferred um the, because the the I got transferred because they told me that I had I, I couldn't stay there any longer. <laughs> I had a lot of power at the prison. They wanted to change me to another prison, okay. so I went to another prison and I got there and I almost got caught up in the same thing, mm-hmm. um, just trying to survive, trying to be a better prison. I had a brief and I hadn't did anything with it. I met another guy that was just a coincidence. He was a law. He was a, a prison lawyer too. And he did another brief mm-hmm. for me. I had to pay each one of these guys um, to do these briefs. I'm, And at the same time, I met a a, a young lady. She was a prison officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just used to observe. And everybody thought she was mean, but she, used to just, she was really observing. And she pulled me to the side one time, and she told me that you don't need to be in here. Mm. She said that, um, you know, I see the guys and I know the guys that's in here and I see how you move and I see how you control them. She said, you need to be out there. You need to be out here helping these guys out because you see how they come when they come in here. Right. You will be better served outside. Right. Divine can, connections. She said, what can I do to help you mm. get out of prison? Um, and you have to remember what my mindset said was, there's only one way I can get out, I need money. Mm. Um, and so she was uh, just a prison guard. She didn't have money. So we, we, we spoke and we came to the uh, agreement that she would bring certain things in for me. And right. so she brought a couple of things in for me, helped me out a little bit. And then I got transferred from that prison. <laughs> but before I got transferred to that prison, I was able to get a lawyer and send him the briefs that the guys in prison had done. And uh-huh. he studied what they did, and he studied the law himself. And I think I had 30 reasons why I should get my case overturned. Uh-huh. He turned them down to six. Uh-huh. And I, when I went to the next prison, I stayed there for about three months. And they called me back to the county jail, went to the county jail, went before the judge. They call it a, um, a, 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 a appeal. I had an appeal case. Uh-huh. Went before the county jail, and they stopped that. my first, the first thing that I, I had, the first reason or the first, I, I can't even get it out, um, for appeal, the first reason for appeal that I had. I had six, but they stopped at the first one. And the judge said, I'm going to overturn your case. And so I won wow, my appeal, on just one? Just the first one. And I won my appeal. Um, so I went down from 100 years to 25. Now I have no time in prison. I had been in, in prison at, at that time eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I couldn't get out yet they had to decide where they're going to take me back to court because they just dropped certain things or where they going to take me back to court or not. And so one of the guys that, the, that the crime was against, that had got shot, told the, the judge that he didn't want me out. He felt like if I would have got out the next day, I would have came in to his house and killed him. Right. Um, so they end up taking me back to court because of that. And we settled on 10 years in prison. So in two years, I got out of prison. So I went from 100 years and did 10 years. I got out in 2001. Um, Wow. Six months before I got out, my grandma died. My granny, which was like, you know, next to my mom, my, my, my God, my spiritual God, my love. And so that was another thing that kind of crushed me because I wanted to get out. She had as well got diagnosed with cancer. So I wanted to get out and just put my arms around her and let her know that I loved her and, and all of that. So I didn't get to do that. And that was something that hurt me um, real bad. So once I was out in prison, while I was in prison, I took a couple of classes. Um, one was horticulture. Mm-hmm. My mom had remarried and she got married with the guy, he owned a landscaping company. And so my idea, my plan was, I wrote it down on paper, you know, the word says, write it down and make it plain. Right. So those that see it may run. Right. And it's not necessarily that they're running from it, but they're running to it, they're running to do the work. Right. And so that's what I did, I wrote it down on paper. I had a, a scheme or a plan I wanted to start landscaping, then I was gonna start my own business. And use the money from landscaping to invest in real estate right um, and i had the name of the businesses and everything right. uh, down and so when i got out of prison i waited about six months and that's what i started doing i started landscaping i had a good friend that uh the same friend she she gave me a, a suburban she let me borrow her suburban
0: Oh, and wow. I pulled, I had a lawnmower awesome. and
1: I pulled it out of the Suburban <laughs> at every yard. It must be nice. Huh? Great <laughs> I friends. I need those
0: kind of friends.
1: So, <laughs> she, yeah, she, 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 she gave me that Suburban and I end up going from yard to yard with the lawnmower, pulling it out of Suburban and that's how I started the landscaping company and um, the first year i think i made probably about 25,000 dollars second year probably about 50 um and i got it all the way up to about 300,000
0: so did you create the plan while you were still in prison or when you got out did you is that when you actually planned or did you just have the thoughts that okay I need to do something I think I might do this or did you plan it all out while you were there so that when you got out you would be able to hit the ground running
1: No, I, I definitely planned it out while I was there I didn't okay. know I came up with a plan but I didn't know how the plan was going to work gotcha. gotcha. Um so I took a couple of classes one of them was a business class one of them was a, a, a finance class mm-hmm. um, and it was a guy there that owned several restaurants and so uh, we talked often and we talked about business and like I said uh, my stepdad owned a landscaping company and so I said that I was gonna come out and work for him he didn't even believe it a lot of people (laughs) didn't believe it right Um, but my idea was to come out and work for him and and see if I can do it because it was something that was a low startup I knew I was getting out of prison with no money I had a couple of dollars, and then we had a party when I came, and people came with envelopes and brought me a little right. money. Um, so I knew I was gonna have a, I was gonna have a small some small change, but not much money where I can start a business. So um, the plan was formed when I was in prison. Uh, it just took me to execute it. So when I got out, I did I did about six months where I didn't do anything. Right. I decided just to rest um, and survey the land. See did what the you environment
0: ever, is like. And here on Speak Up Says, you just get used to being interrupted because that's what we do. I like to get to the heart of, of the matter. I uh, I want to know if there was ever a place in time where, in this story of overcoming, because clearly 100 years is, is, is huge to get beyond, did you ever have a place where you sat in a place of depression? Or did you ever feel like you weren't going to make it? Did you ever feel like you weren't going to be successful? Um, Did you ever sit in that place? Because when we hear a lot of people tell their stories, there's always this place of, you know, a low point in their thinking. But it doesn't sound like you got to a low place in your thinking, or did you? Well,
1: well, like I said again, my whole thing was... I'm going to deal with where I'm at. So I I never got, well, I'm not going to say I never got, I did get to a place, the low point part came um, that I spoke about earlier when my mom told me she had cancer. That was the lowest point for me Mm -hmm. because I couldn't, I was helpless. Gotcha. You know, I couldn't do anything. What can I do from behind these walls? And that's what made me realize that, hey, man, you are just trying to, you you're trying to conquer where you're at, but you're bigger than where you're at. Mm. It's some people that need you. Right. So 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 when God created the world, He created He created everything and then He created man. Mm-hmm. He created man to He created man as a gift to the world. It mm-hmm. was something missing. Mm. And He created man. He had already prepared everything and he looked and he said there's something missing, so he created man. And then he gave the woman, he gave the woman as a gift to the man. See, the world, man is a gift to the world. And the woman is a gift to man. Wow. So the man needs to socialize. Mm-hmm. The first commandment was be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. So you need to be fruitful, not necessarily not necessarily going and having sex with everybody and having babies right but be fruitful productive. Produce. <laughs> yeah, produce. Yes. be productive and produce mm-hmm. multiply that production got gotcha. you and so my point my low my, my point is that i was so low because i couldn't do anything to help my family mm. that was my whole point of of hustling in the first place trying to make it better Right. So now I done made it worse because now I'm in prison. My mom is stressed out because where I'm at, she's doing the time with me. Mm. And now she got cancer and I can't help her with that because I'm in here and she's still trying to help me with where I'm at. So, boy, you need to get your ass up out of here. <laughs> you need to get up out of here. So my that was my low point. I actually, I actually got on my knees and prayed Mm. And she told me that because my whole thing I told her when she when she called me and we was talking, I said, Well Ma, you know, by you not telling me that you done took away my power. My power is praying for you. Mm. So I actually got on my knees that night and prayed. I skipped over that part. I'm I I pray without ceasing, but I'm not a person that get on his knees and I'm I don't make a ritual out of it. Right, right, right. But that night I actually made a ritual out of it. Um and so, so, that yeah, that night, that was my lowest point um, in the prison. Not when I got the sentence, you know, none of that. I always felt like I was going to have, I was going to be good. Even if I'm in prison, I'm going to be all right because I'm going to make the best of this situation. Right. But when it comes to the people that you love, mm. see, most of the time when we are, in survival mode, it's about us. Right. But what you're, but what most important is your why. Why are you surviving? Why do you want to be successful? Usually that's not about you. Usually right. that's about your child, your the people that you love, or something else. And so I had a why. I had a why did I need to be free? Mm, that's good. I wasn't... Me wasn't enough to be free. Right. It wasn't about me. I didn't... I can say I didn't love myself enough to say, I need to be free. Right. But I love my mama enough to say, I need to get out. And that's what really made me start digging and going to the law law, law library and hiring or getting the people in prison to help me in the law library. Um,
0: So now you're at this place where you're growing. Right. Your business is growing. You're, you got your, your, your vision is coming to pass. And so now you're going up the hill into the mountaintop. Take us there.
1: Okay, so I'm going up the hill into the mountaintop. I
0: mean, I'm, maybe oh. I shouldn't say it that way. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, when I think of stories of triumph, I think of, you know, somehow people end up in the valley, some kind of way, right? And to triumph for me means that you're steadily progressing, not that you reach a place of perfection, but that you never quit,
1: right? You're constantly Absolutely.
0: moving, you're constantly growing. So, so I would think that progression would be upward. So, that's why I say from the valley Absolutely. to the hill to the mountaintop.
1: <laughs> so, 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 um, when I got out, I started a landscaping company and, and started doing the landscaping, um while i'm doing the landscaping i went to a barbecue uh met a pretty young lady um you know start talking to her and all of that and um fell in love and she fell in love with me she had already knew that i was in prison um but i didn't she was waiting for me to tell her
0: right
1: um and so once i told her and we got that out of the way uh, it was all good. End up getting married. With get getting married, she stayed in Atlanta, so I moved in Atlanta. Moved to Atlanta with her. Um, kept the landscaping company in Augusta mm-hmm. and tried to run the company from Atlanta. Right. That didn't work out. So end up taking the landscaping company back, bringing it to Atlanta, um, building it again from um, Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, and following my plan. End up coming up with another business and uh, investing in real estate okay. um, with some of the landscaping money. Um, now, right now, I end up selling the business about a year or two years ago. I end up selling the business now. I'm running a trucking business, um, doing real estate as well as managing a <laughs> managing a medical practice.
0: Wow, I mean, so you have become a full-on
1: serial entrepreneur. Definitely, that's de- def- definitely a serial entrepreneur. Um, uh, I'm just uh, uh I'm just you know I'm highly intelligent. If I must say something, <laughs> myself, you know, so. I told y'all to <laughs>
0: <begin>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm highly intelligent, but my mouthpiece is serious. I definitely can sell a well water. Um so I'm definitely a serial entrepreneur and a super father, uh, which is something that that I really take pride in, just being a dad. I have a a little girl, three-year-old girl, and a seven-year-old son. Um, And that is the pride right now of my life, is just raising them and just teaching them life skills and life goals. Um, Also, I do mentoring, um, which is, really one of the things that that inspires me keeps me going um and i i I want to start life coaching or coaching uh people that's going through adversity okay because i know how to deal with that i know how to deal with adversity definitely know (laughs) how to deal with adversity you know uh this is just the tip of the iceberg with some of the things that i've been through but we all have stories Right. We all have, we all been in the battle. We all have those roadblocks, those stumbling blocks um, that we go through. So some, some of us just need to be coached. Right. Some of us are champions, mm-hmm. and we, but we still need to be coached. That's right. Um, you know, Michael Jordan was highly successful for his first five years. He, he, he won rookie of the year, scoring championships, MVPs of the league. But he couldn't win a championship until Phil Jackson came along and, and coached him another way of playing ball. And once Phil Jackson started coaching him, he was unstoppable. So you exactly. sometimes you just need that coach. That's you right. You need the somebody best to take you over Are great students. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. I and I know I am a student <laughs> of the game.
0: So. <laughs> I am, listen, I sit in awe of the journey from going to from starting from you know there are lots of words that people would call where you started from but starting from a place of you know a criminal lifestyle yeah. um you know selling drugs and shooting people and things of that nature to getting to be a full-on entrepreneur with several businesses under your belt being a husband being um, a dad, I mean, please, before I let you go from this space, you've got to give the people, give me, give the people, give all of us um, one thing, if there's anything that someone is listening right now could hear that could help them get over the hump. Because I think the hump where that place where you said this was my lowest place, but you didn't go downward, you didn't smile downward. You you got to your lowest place, you didn't start taking drugs, you didn't become a drunk, you didn't, you know, regress. You chose to go a different route. But there's something, there's something that makes a person go one way versus the other what can you share with us that a person who's sitting in their lowest place can take to not spiral backwards or downwards and continue to progress upward
1: okay well I'm gonna use it like this when I was a child I used to like to watch uh animal planet not sure the geographics, and, and things like that mm-hmm. so in the serengeti let's let's look at life like this life is a beast in the serengeti you have two different animals you have the gazelle and you have the lion the gazelle wakes up in the morning and the gazelle says i need to run as fast as i can today so i don't get ate it's a lion out there that wants to get that wants to eat me he's hungry and so the gazelle says, I'm going to be the fastest gazelle in the world today so I don't get ate. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of the serengeti, it's a lion. And the lion is saying, I'm hungry, so I'm going to get up and I'm going to run as fast as I can because I need to catch one of these long-legged gazelles so I can eat dinner and feed my family. Right. So that's all the lion is thinking about. He's stretching and everything, telling my man, I'm going to run as fast as I can so I can eat one of these long-legged gazelles. Mm-hmm. The moral of the story is, whether you're a lion or whether you're a gazelle, you better get up and you better get running. Because either life is going to eat you mm-hmm. or you're going to eat it. Mm. So one way or the other, if you don't want to get ate up, you better run. If you want to eat dinner, you better run. <laughs> you better get up and run. Don't sit down waddling <laughs> in that mess because if you are too slow you're
0: not gonna get dinner you might get eight that listen that is some fabulous advice and i think that is the perfect place to to leave our listeners today listen bernard this Speak up, to be... sis. <laughs> thank you sis Thank you. This has been an amazing conversation. I have gleaned so many nuggets from this. I'm like, Oh, 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 I got a podcast for this. I got a podcast for that. (laughs) Listen, speak up sis podcast listeners just know you already know your girl is going to explore some of these concepts in some later conversations, (laughs) but I thank you so much for carving out just a little bit of time to share your voice of triumph here in the Speak Up Sis podcast space. I have thoroughly enjoyed um, listening to you and I know our listeners have as well. So if you will, please share with everyone how they can get in contact with you, um, how they can contact you for, for speaking engagements or whatever business, whatever it is that you do and you want people to be able to reach out to you, please give us that information right
1: now. I'm on Instagram, it's Big Homie for Real, the number four, Big Homie, the number four, real, all one word. Um, I am on Facebook as King Nard, K I N G N A R D. It's only one of me. I'm the incredibly handsome one. Oh, <laughs> uh, gracious day in the morning.
0: All right, everybody, and with that, I'm your girl, Angel Charmaine, and you all have a beautiful day, and I'll see you next time. Don't forget, open up your mouth and speak up. That's it. Thank you for listening today to Speak Up Cis Podcast. I invite you to visit me online at speakupsis.com and subscribe to receive updates on future Speak Up Cis Podcast episodes. Also, I'd like to thank our generous supporters. You all help make it possible for me to continue to create this safe space for everyday people to share their stories, to inspire the stories of others. If you're listening and you'd like to support Speak Up Cis Podcast, click support in the app or visit speakupsis.com to make a one-time contribution. Remember, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So until next time, open up your mouth and speak up.